Hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. So glad you're joining us today. And my, we are so excited about the month of November and all the exciting things happen as we get closer to Thanksgiving and we get closer to Christmas. It's my favorite time of the year. And so I want to tell you something here. You have an opportunity for a free meal, a free barbecue dinner with the sides and dessert and drink. And uh, we'd love to invite you to that to the first 400 people that come by Hickory Ridge Community Church the Sunday before Thanksgiving at 6 p.m. I just pull on in. There'll be people telling you what to do. And uh, you got to get there quick, right? We have 450 free meals. And so the first 450 people to show up, get it. So I hope that you can be part of that. And I uh, love to meet you. I'll be out there. And I uh, love to talk to you. If you're a radio broadcast listener, I'd love to meet you in person. So today, I want to talk to you about why should we gather? Gathering together. Why is it so important? And, uh, you know, have you heard of this phrase, text neck? Text neck. Uh, That's a term that therapists are using for the effects of texting and the effects that it has on our spine. You know, they tell us that the average human head weighs 10 to 12 pounds. And so tilting down and looking on your mobile device increases that gravitational pull so that the neck experiences a force of 60 pounds at a 60 degree angle. Now, this is the equivalent to putting four adult-sized bowling balls on your neck. Now, since the typical American spends an hour or so on her on their smartphone every day, spinal stress may be leading to early wear, degeneration for the need of possible surgery. Now, TextNex is not only unintended consequences of the technology that we experience, this revolution that we experience, But we also discover that people throughout the world are being beheaded and they're actually putting these on YouTube videos. And they're seeing this tremendous amount of violence. We just had Pastor Friday, Bishop Friday from Nigeria, and he shared some of the persecution that is happening in that country. And the Islamic State continues to broadcast these beheadings. And and it's a shock to the world that they're making such a big deal that these jihadists are coming in and, and they're massacring Jews and Christians alike. You know, as we think about the pain that we go through, we think about the plague of internet pornography. We think how it's destroying lives and marriages around the world. And we think about even men of God that are falling because of the sin of pornography and the sexual sins. Uh, just recently, we had a pastor here in the Hampton Roads area that was arrested for hiring prostitutes, and we're just like beside ourselves. What is the solution? Uh, how can we get beyond this? How can we get the healing that we need when we get all this pressure falling on us and it seems like, like things are just falling apart all over the place? I want to give you some hope. And that hope is found in gathering together with other believers. You know, unfortunately today, uh, the church is not considered central. It's much peripheral part of our lives. As a matter of fact, the church is is now in some cases not only considered not central, but it but it's considered dangerous, right? And uh, and, and some have coined a term, uh, a guy by the name of Christopher Hitchens causes the religious poisoning of everything. And so we're told that religion causes the 9-11 types of terrorism, and we're seeing so many things coming against uh, faith and coming against especially the Christian faith. As a matter of fact, Peter addresses this matter, and he gives us this admonition. He's writing to believers who are facing far worse persecution than we are in America, and he says, 
Even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you of the reason of the hope that you have. But do it with gentleness. Do it with respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you and your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. You know, as we think about this, there are benefits for us gathering together. Way back in the Old Testament, Moses was given the Ten Commandments, and he said, Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but on the seventh day it is a Sabbath. It is the day that belongs to the Lord. It is the day that you shall not do any work, not you or your son or your daughter, your servants or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is therein there, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath, and he made it holy. You know, as I think about gathering, the benefits of gathering, the psalmist said, Gather to me my faithful ones, who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. You know, there are seven benefits of gathering together to worship. Number one, when I gather together with other believers, I'm in on God's purpose. You know, God has a purpose for everything. He has a purpose for the family. He has a purpose for government. He has a purpose for the church. Paul put it this way in Ephesians 5.23. He says, the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. You think about light. Light makes everything visible. It wakes us up in the morning. Uh, we're now getting to the time of year where the days are getting shorter, and I kind of, I kind of hate that uh, because I get up and it's dark, and I go to, I, I come, I come home from work, it's dark, and uh, and I, I, I like leaving when it's light and coming home when it's still light, but in the winter time, uh, that doesn't happen. So light makes everything visible. It wakes us up in the morning. In the spiritual realm, it is God's light that brings us to life. You see, once we have been brought to life, we must be careful how we live. Paul says we must be wise not unwise, making the most of every opportunity that comes away to follow God's purposes. We're not to be drunk with wine, but we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're to encourage one another with worship and always give thanks to God for everything. We are to surrender to Christ, the surrender to each other, first to Christ and then to each other. You know, in the home, the husband is to provide the leadership to his wife, and, and as he submits to Christ, he is the, the head of the church, and we discover that as the, as the husband submits to Christ, it's a whole lot easier for the wife to submit to the husband. As we think about gathering together, we gather together, we're in on God's purposes. We're involved with what He is doing. You know, the Bible talks about the gifts that God gives each and every one of us, and He says that these gifts that Christ gives to the church are the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers— and their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Now, this is pretty good stuff, right? So, so we gather together, we, we are jumping on board with God's purpose, and Paul continues on by saying, when you understand the work of the leaders within the church, then you'll no longer be immature like children. You won't be tossed and blown away by every wind and every doctrine. 
You won't be influenced by people who try to trick you with with clever-sounding truth that's not actually truth at all. Instead, you're going to speak the truth in love. You're going to grow in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, who is the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You know, communication is particularly susceptible to distortion where the passing of a message of it is involved. Even our everyday lives, as we have a message, right? The, the meaning of a message that we hear is changed when we in turn pass it on to others. Now, this is simply because we forget the minutia details, right? We forget the little details of the message, and hence, we add our own to make it coherent. You know, a perfect example of this is, is in that popular game uh, we play at gatherings where the first person tells a short story or a long sentence to a second person who then passes that message on until it reaches the last person in the room, who then says out loud what the message was. Now, the final message is usually very different from the initial message, and everyone has a good laugh. You know, a variation of this game is to mime a message instead of telling it. You know, either way, uh, this game shows that whether verbal or nonverbal communication, it is always vulnerable to misinterpretation, vulnerable to distortion. You know, here's an example of, of how such a situation may occur at a workplace. The less we gather together, the less we clearly understand God's purpose for us. And so I encourage you to gather together so you can not only be part of God's purpose, but you can clearly understand God's purpose for us. You know, gathering together is also an opportunity for me to be in God's presence. Not only am I I part of His purpose, but I'm in His presence. You know, where two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus, I am right there. As you gather in my name, I'm right there in the middle of it. You know, there is safety as we gather together in His name. As we're not gathering in my name or in your name or in anybody else's name. We're gathered together in His name, the name of Christ. You know, when Moses entered that tent of meeting in the Old Testament in Numbers chapter 7, it says that he spoke with the Lord. He heard the voice of God speaking to him in between those two cherubim above the the, the cover of the Ark of the Covenant. In this way, God spoke to him. Listen, when we gather together to worship, we're in God's presence. We're in his will. We hear from him. Paul said to the Corinthians believers is that the presence and the glory of our God is our inheritance. This is why our hearts desire to know and experience more of him. You know, George Barnum surveyed thousands of church-going Christians, and the question was asked, have you experienced God in a worship service? Now, only one-third said that they regularly experience God in church. William Hendricks' book, Exit Interviews, is about why today's generation is leaving the church. He summarizes the views of many worship dropouts by saying, perhaps the most common complaint was that worship services were boring. It was not just that these gatherings were not interesting, they were not worshipful. They did little to help people meet God. Somebody else writing about worship evangelism says, when worship services that are not worshipful and are gathering people together to meet God, but there's no worship there, people are not being allowed to participate in worshiping in their relationship with God. This is the most 
benefit of worship. Listen, when we come to gather to worship, it's not about the praise team. It's not about the band. It's not about the pastor. It's not about the announcements. It's not even about gathering together with other people. We gather to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You see, it doesn't matter how chatty or interesting the message may be. We are to be captivated because we are in the presence of God. We are smack dab enjoying his presence. And by enjoying his presence, we are also experiencing a third benefit for gathering together. I'm in on God's power. I'm in on God's presence. I'm in on God's purpose. And I'm in on his power. Acts chapter 2 is a fascinating chapter. I mean, the church is being birthed in Acts chapter 2. And it says that these new believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and to prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Wow. You know, one Sunday morning, a pastor was dressing for church, and he had the radio on, listening to a local church service. Suddenly heard the minister say, it's Easter, and it doesn't make any difference if Christ be risen or not. Shocked, A.H. Hackley shouted, It's alive! He is risen! His wife said, Why don't you write a song about it? Reading the Gospels again, He is risen! And feeling God's presence, he began writing. And these are the words that he wrote. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. What a powerful song, celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, when we gather together, every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. It is a day we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. You know, during the Depression, there was a field where a sheep ranch owned a bunch of sheep, and he owned uh, this, this big field, and Mr. Yates was able to make enough money ranching. And he had this unbelievable opportunity to gather together these sheep and make a whole lot of money. But one day, he was in danger of losing his whole farm. He was going to be losing everything. You know, day after day, he would go out and he, and he grazed his sheep over these rolling hills in, in West Texas. He was no doubt greatly troubled about how he would pay his bills. Then a seismograph crew came from an oil company came into the area and told him there might be some oil on his land. They asked if he could have, they they would give him permission to drill with a wildcat drill. And so he signed a contract. At 1,115 feet, they struck a huge oil reserve. That first well came up and 80,000 barrels were coming out a day. Many subsequent wells were, were made twice as large. In fact, 30 years after the discovery. A government test of one of those wells showed that it still had that potential flow of 125,000 barrels of oil a day. And Mr. Yates owned it all. The day he purchased that land, he received the oil and the mineral rights. Yet he had been living on a poverty-stricken income. Here we have a multi-millionaire living in poverty. What was the problem? He didn't know the oil was there, even though he owned it. They entitled him to these gifts that he didn't know he owned. How many Christians do the same thing? We have this at our disposal, 
the power of Christ. We have this ability to be energized by the Holy Spirit, and we're not even aware of it. Peter reminds us that we should humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he will lift us up in due time. Well, we've learned some great benefits of gathering to worship. We've learned that when we gather, we're in God's purpose. We learned that as we gather, we're in on his presence and, and on his will. We also learned that when we gather, we tap into his power. And then we also gather together and we're in on his provision. Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 47. It says they all believed and they were all together. They had everything in common and they were selling their possessions and their belongings and and distributing the, the proceeds to the poor as they had need. And day by day, attended the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. Wow. They experienced food with glad and generous hearts. God provided for them as they gathered together. Wow, this is good stuff. I don't know if you've ever been outside the United States. I haven't been out too many times, but I've got family up in Canada, up in New Brunswick. And I remember traveling up to New Brunswick. Every summer, my, my dad would take us, seven kids up there, and we'd always go up there during hay season. And, uh, you know, down here in the Hampton Roads, you can, you can bail hay probably three or maybe four times in the summer. But up in Canada, it's so cold up there that they only, they only bring in the hay once a year, usually around mid to end of July. I remember as a kid, we'd go up there for that annual trip, and we stayed at a small farmhouse miles away from civilization. As a matter of fact, it had no indoor plumbing. You had to go to the outhouse. It had no indoor water. Uh, So there was a pump that you had to go uh, on the outside of that farm, and you had to pump the water and bring it into the house uh, for cooking and for bathing. You know, my dad's family, they were beef and dairy cattle farmers. And and on this annual trip, every time we'd stay at this particular uh, farmhouse, there was always a bucket next to the well. And there was a sign on the well, use this bucket to prime the pump. Then get as much water as you want, but make sure this bucket remains full. In other words, always fill up that bucket so you can prime it for the next person. You know, God's provision is like that. God gives us something and he wants us to give something back. We always must prime that well. So give back what God gives you. I don't have to give it all back, obviously, but I think a a portion of it needs to go back to him. As God gives to us, we give it back. You know, the Bible says, given, it shall be given unto you. Press down, running over, shall men give of their bosom. So the more we give, the more we receive. I remember many years ago, we gathered together at the Southland Restaurant. I had the joy of just eating it this past Sunday. Beautiful place to eat. Delicious fried chicken. I tell you what, they get the best fried chicken on the planet. We went up there one year to gather as a church. We rented out the whole restaurant. And I gathered our congregation together. I says, we need to buy some property. And God has opened up an opportunity for us to have 35 acres, and I need you to help give us the money so that we can buy this land. We had an elderly man in our congregation who was from this area, and I said, would you give a, a testimony about how God has blessed you and how God has used you to bless the lives of others? And he got up and he says, I don't have a whole lot to say. The only thing I can say about giving is this. You can never outgive the Lord. The more you give to him, the more he gives back to you. Listen, when you come to worship, you're tapping into God's provision, and you can pass that on to others. Well, there's something else that you benefit from as you gather to worship. 
and that is, you have the benefit of God's protection. Jesus said to Peter, you are Peter. And you know the verse, Matthew 16, 18, and Jesus says, I'm going to build my church on this rock. And it says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, notice the context. Jesus is talking about the fact that the gates of hell shall not prevail, not against Peter, but against the church. You are protected when you're in the church. You know, as you get outside of the church, you get outside of the umbrella of God's protection, and the gates of hell could possibly prevail against you because the enemy's tactics have not changed. Divide and conquer. Let me get you separated from the body of Christ, and then I can attack you, right? That's why when that one sheep left the 99, the shepherd went after that one sheep because that one sheep was very vulnerable when it came outside of the protection of that flock of sheep. When we think about all the things that God can protect us against, those things are tapped in as we are gathered together in the church. You know, Billy Graham, before he died, was 58 times voted the most admired man in the world. Wow. Billy Graham would never enter a city or do a crusade in a city unless at least 300 churches would be committed to be involved in that crusade. Now, why did he do that? It wasn't just about gathering large numbers of people. Billy Graham understood the power of the church. And he says, if I go into a city and a bunch of people receive Christ, but there's no church to follow up and to disciple these people and to protect these people, what good would that do? And so he wanted these 300 churches to be committed to be involved so that when he left, these churches would follow up and they would take these converts and they would disciple them. They would bring them into the church and they would teach them the things of the Lord. You see, when you're in the church, there's protection. There's something else that's a benefit to being in God's church is that I'm in on God's peace. You have a sign above our church that says, welcome home. As you enter into our doors, I pray that you experience that peace that hopefully you feel when you go at home, right? Because our God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. As in all of the churches of the saints, says Paul to the Corinthian believers, we enter into God's peace as we worship together as the body of Christ. Well, there's something else. We are a benefactor of God's plans. I'm in on God's directions. In Ephesians 1.22, Paul says, He put all things in subjection under his feet, and he gave him, that's Christ, as head over all things, head over the church. A.W. Tozer said this, The world is perishing for lack of knowledge of God, and the church is famishing for want of his presence. The instant cure of most religious ills would be to enter into the presence of spiritual experience, to become suddenly aware that we are in God and that God is in us. This would lift us up out of our pitiful narrowness and cause our hearts to be enlarged. This would burn away the impurities from our lives as the bugs and the fungus were burned away by the fire that dwelt in the bush. Oh, my friends, as you are gathered together with other believers, you are part of God's plan. He wants to give you that peace that passes all understanding. And he gives it to you in the church. He wants to give you his protection. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. You need the church and the church needs you. You're in on God's provision. 
The early church says they gathered, they received food, and, and they received with generous hearts the provisions that they shared together. You know, this is past week. I'm heartbroken that one of our members passed. And I'm heartbroken because this member got so down, so discouraged that he took his life. But I want you to know, God's people are there. God's provision is there. God's power is there in the midst of that as we gather together and mourn his passing. God's presence is right there with us in the middle of that terrible ordeal. And we are right smack dab in the middle of the purpose that God has for us. So these are the benefits of gathering together. The psalmist says, Gather to me my faithful ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. That sacrifice is referring to the sacrifice that Jesus made with us as he entered into a covenant relationship with us. And because he died for us, he says, gather to me together, my faithful ones. We are told in Hebrews 10.25 that we should encourage one another, especially as we see the days approaching. That is the days approaching of the return of Christ. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is but gather together. Or maybe you've dropped out of church. Maybe it's time that you come on back. I know there's a lot of threats of COVID and it's still out there. But listen, if you wait for every threat to be gone, you're never going to come back to church. Realize that the benefit of going to church far outweighs the risk. Come on and join fellow believers. Enjoy that fellowship. I hope to see you this Sunday at Hickory Ridge Community Church. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We would love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.